Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B podcast. Kyle here with Tom and Ed. What is going on, guys? What's up, players? What's up, guys? I'm still hype off that 112 appearance last week, man. That was dope. Man, that was a classic <laughs> appearance. But I think this week we've got some um, new history to be made. Oh, yeah, yes, we do. Uh, very excited. We're going to have Jazz, I guess, formerly of Drew Hill. It's still weird to say that, but he's going to be joining us on the podcast to talk about his new music as well as the Drew Hill history. You guys excited for that one? Yeah, that's going to be cool. A lot of times when we debate kind of the best or at least most well-known voices of the 90s, when you hear that voice, it's just unmistakable. You unmistakable, you just know who it is, and Jazz is one of those voices, like Latasha Scott, like Wanye, like Cisco even. Those voices that just immediately stand out and take over any track. Jazz is one of the more underrated and definitely more well-known voices. So it'll be cool to hear from my man and hear what he's up to in these days and times hey these are the times (laughs) good one ed yeah well guys let's get into some serious business here Uh, i'm not sure if you guys read this but beyonce and jay-z partnered up with a website and basically if you go towards a plant-based diet you could possibly win lifetime tickets to beyonce and jay-z concerts tom i know you've given up on everything are you going to give up on the chicken to go see Beyonce? For, for starters, I what would I do with lifetime Beyonce and Jay-Z tickets besides try to scalp them and sell them to Ed for overvalue? Oh, you could go see Jay-Z and Beyonce. Uh, this is going to be one of those <laughs> podcasts, ain't it? It's crazy that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that we have a yay and yassin and queenin and everything else that they do over this joint player. But I'll tell you one thing. Ain't nobody on this podcast going to take them up on that offer. I like my chicken. Let me be a black I mean, stereotype every once in a while. Give me my chicken. Can I, can I ask a valid question? Who is monitoring if someone follows this strict diet? Like, what if you win the tickets, then you're eating chicken wings in the show? You know, like, are they going <laughs> to escort you out? What happens? Me, it, player, if you're eating chicken wings in the show, you can guarantee that KC will be riding a giant man down <laughs> to your seat to take them from you. So don't worry about that. I think that KC will have that covered. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know how they're going to monitor that. But I'm sure someone from the Beehive is going to give up meat to go, go watch them Beyonce and Jay-Z concerts. So more power to you guys. Look, play. I'm not mad if you want to embark on a plant-based lifestyle. But to do it because you might get free tickets seems pretty disingenuous to me, player. Because after a while, them salads are not going to do you good when... Beyonce gives up her touring to make some more babies or whatever they decide to do. Listen, though, guys, does a does a diet of yogurt and lettuce really sound that bad? Yes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right. Um, can we get into some new music, guys? What you got? Well, Tom's, in, Tom's been waiting like a month to talk about this song, this new music Soul Child song. That he did with the Korean producer, I think, uh, along with that music's releasing a mixtape. So, Tom, fill us in on your favorite artist of all time. <laughs> well, yeah, right. He he put out that song, which I sent to you guys immediately, and you all raved about it as well. So did our our readers actually. The response to that song was amazing. It sounds like something right out of the early two thousands, which is cool. Mm-hmm. 
kind of nostalgic, and that was pretty cool. But now it was announced that Music is actually doing a tribute to Jay Dilla, the 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 legendary producer, and he just announced the first of the projects. And uh, I just I was reading the press release. I mean, this is a pretty unique project he's putting out. If I could just read this real quick. The 10-track mixtape includes covers from some of the most iconic musicians of our time, including Shaka Khan, Michael Jackson, Sade, Prince, Donny Hathaway, Stevie Wonder, Anita Baker, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, and Whitney Houston, infused with a Jay Dilla sound. Can you even... I, I, <laughs> that's kind of mind-blowing, Ed. I love it. A Jay Dilla sound with all of that hooked up? Player, that sounds like my type of music. I am very excited. It's a little ambitious. I mean, I'm unclear on if he is covering all of these songs or, or what's happening, but I I'm, I want to see what's going to happen here. Yeah, I mean, that list is so exhaustive. It almost sounds like a freaking Wikipedia page. It doesn't sound like, I mean, something that's even accomplishable. But yeah. if you have that type of mindset going into a project, even if it's just inspired by and not even sampled or covers or whatever i think that's something at least from me man that warms a brother's soul so we will see but there is a lot of promise coming out of this one i i think it's cool that i think it's cool that we even have someone tributing jay dilla in this day and age and still recognizing and celebrating his contributions to music i mean we can't just let these legacies die so i think it's great to have these ongoing tributes yeah, but, and I was kind of on this a little bit early, and excuse me, Kyle, if I'm jump, jumping the gun a little bit, but this week we lost kind of one of R&B's more unsung voices, James Ingram. And it not that it annoyed me, because he passed, and a lot of fans were talking about, oh, how great he was, and I remember these songs, and this and that. But I get so annoyed in 2019 when we are on this wave of, if you aren't releasing current music, we write you off as a has-been, or you fell off, or you're irrelevant, and this and that. I wrote about Ludacris earlier this week on the Soul and Stereo site. And he's another artist that people, oh, he's irrelevant. Oh, he's not as good as Future, or whatever, whatever. When we don't celebrate our legends until after they're gone, we do them a great disservice. Jay Dilla is one of the greatest producers of all time, no question. And... I don't know if he received a lot of the accolades that he should have when he was with us. Now, after he left, oh, he's the greatest. But, man, y'all got to get these flowers to these legends while they're here. 100%, Ed. 100%. I'm with you. Um, can we talk about some more new music, guys? What do we got? Well, uh, Tom's client, Van Jess, released a new song. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> guys. Uh <laughs> Tom Listen. was going nuts over this song. Uh, Tom, I mean, it's like you hear something like this. I've been—I uh, don't know if, if you guys don't know what they're talking about. I originally heard from our friend Zeppelin about this group Van Jess, and, and I checked them out, and they have a real '90s vibe, something that's kind of throwback. We don't really hear that from younger artists, so I checked them out, and they're dope. I just asked Kyle and Ed to listen to them, and suddenly. I was their manager just because I recommended them. Uh, that's that's funny how that, that is, works, right? That is not how it happened. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you became the biggest Van Jess supporter. And we're like, where is this coming from? But I won't hate on Van Jess because I love them. And their album was one of the best of last year. I featured it on my site. 
fall in my top 50 of the year. But player, this remix is um, the remix to Addicted. Now, a lot of people mm. get on your boy because they say, oh, Ed, you don't like anything. Everything you say is okay or trash. Well, yes. But when I take a time to say, look, this is fire. You need to drop what you're doing and listen. That's what I'm saying about this track. I have not heard something so 90s in probably a year and a half. It is straight up 1995 Video Soul remix. Go listen to this remix of Van Jess So Addicted. It is incredible. I think it's cool that, you know, a lot of times we hear 90s inspired stuff or people will say, yeah, this was inspired by the 90s and it really doesn't sound like it. But this actually pays great homage to it and i thought it was really cool to hear you know it, it gave me that feel that i felt back then so hey maybe my my group van jets will keep blowing up and i'll make some decent money off them guys i won't have to do this crappy podcast anymore well <laughs> oh man oh any excuse to replace this guy on the podcast is all good so yeah take van jets on the road <laughs> <laughs> Um, some more new music, guys. Summer Walker, new artist, making making uh, making some buzz right now. Summer Walker released her new EP, Clear. And let me tell you about this one. It's a lot different than her last project that came out. Tom, I know you listened to it, and you as well. The first mm-hmm. project was a little more of that trap soul that everyone else is doing, that Bryson Tiller sound. This new EP, Clear, it's like acoustic, jazzy R&B. That, I did not expect that. I didn't either, and I must say I liked it. I didn't love it. It's summer has a it's kind of this tendency, and we're saying this a lot from artists of this generation. Where I feel like the songs are just too short, like they're missing something. It's like they are they put together seventy five percent of the song, and they're just like, okay, it's good. Next, there are so many tracks that start out good, and it just feels like just something else could have put it over the hump from good to great. And this project is very promising. I like a lot of the direction, but it shows that she has more. And I wish that she could get a mentor or someone who could just take her stuff to the next level. Because it's a lot of promise with Summer. But when I'm hearing it's good, it's just not great. And I think she has a little bit of greatness in her. I'm curious to get your take on it, Kyle. What do you? How do you um, think of her as an artist? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same thing as Ed. I remember listening to her last project that came out, and every song was like a minute 45 or like two minutes and 22, and it's like, it's definitely a good vibe. Um, but it's not, it feels like it's missing something. Like Ed says, like if you had a bridge or maybe even another hook, it might help. But what we get is what we get. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I actually watched an interview with her recently um tom i believe you had told us that our friend zeppelin had been trying to get her on his millenniums in music feature but was turned down because she was still doing media training um well i actually went and finally found an interview with summer and i can see why she needs media training she's very much an introvert like a super introvert didn't really seem Mm. too comfortable talking to um the host but um it's kind of cool that that's her personality but she's able to put it in the music and have people learn about her that way so i thought that was kind of cool yeah yeah so another song that came out our good friend deron jones i know we had 112 on the podcast last week and that 
caused a huge uproar on social media. Ed, did you see that with Slim going off on everyone in caps? <laughs> I think I missed that. I saw Mike debating a little bit about whether Room 112 was a classic or not, which I thought was hilarious because I'm like, it's his album. He can think what he wants. But no, I missed yeah. Slim's outburst, apparently. Oh, well, we don't really have to get into that. It was a bunch of like talk about lawsuits and stuff like that. But oh my back gosh. on topic <laughs> with 112, Deron Jones, I guess formerly of 112 now, he released a new single, Summertime, which, Tom, we premiered on the site. Yep, he uh, sent it to us to premiere on the site, so shout out to him for that. And it's a dope record, Ed. I know you really like it. I really like this one, too. Look at me being all positive for once on the podcast. This was another banger. It's one of those ones, I almost wish he released it during summertime, because it's, I feel like it has one of the potentials of being one of those songs of the summer. But it's a great, it kind of, not so much of a, I wouldn't say that it sounds like a clone, but it's definitely has elements of anywhere of 112's anywhere it's just something about it that has that that bounce and that that vibe to it i am really enjoying this one if you like classic 112 check out that one Mm. now tom speaking of 112 are you ready to play tom's speculation no boy oh no (laughs) so last Uh week on the podcast Mike and Slim were our special guests, and we asked them about the Kanye West situation and how they were able to get in the same room as Kanye and sing Cupid for them, because honestly, Kanye seems like he's from out of sp- outer space. So, <laughs> wow. Mike explained to us that uh, he had connected, or his team had connected with Kanye's team about producing some tracks on the 112 EP. And we're a little hesitant to believe it. So, Tom, what is your speculation on what really went down? How did that whole meeting take place? <laughs> you think I have a speculation on this? I Someone said Kanye was backstage at their show, but I don't... Kanye doesn't seem to me like the type of person to just be hanging out backstage at the show. So, I, I, I don't have any speculation on this one, guys. I'm sorry. You're going to doubt our good friends, Mike and Slim? Come on. They just gave <laughs> us one of the best podcasts. And now you're doubting their story? That's messed up, man. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Jeez. Oh, man. Uh, so, we have a lot of new music or, or new albums being announced now. Uh, Brian McKnight just announced his NDRE, Selena Johnson. The list goes on and on. But there's one that's pretty exciting, Tom. It's Kevin Ross. He left Motown, which I think Troy Taylor kind of alluded to in his podcast with us he mentioned it very briefly at the end but he's going independent is this going to work out for him tom um i'd say so i mean we all know kevin ross he's been on our podcast really good guy really intelligent guy and someone who seems like he has the know-how to uh manage this music industry on his own but let's be honest motown is a funny place right now for artists it's not like they're really doing so so much to boost these careers i will say it's great that he got on motown got exposure helped build his fan base but man he he's constantly delivering his own unique content and he doesn't need the label at this point really i mean they helped him get that number one single but he's more than capable plus he's too unique of an artist i mean he's kind of a throwback the labels don't know what to do with that sound nowadays it's unfortunate yeah Ed, and did you see Kevin Ross? I mean, I'm sure you've come across his acapella covers on Instagram. 
Of course, a lot of them, if you stop by the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook, a lot of, um, of those readers have been posting those, and they are a good time. The dude is just bursting with talent, y'all, and he's one of those artists that kind of frustrates me because he's so good, and when we are kind of, when there's so many fans, and I know we've gone over this before, when there's so many fans whining about, oh, it's no good R&B, and they're artists like, Kevin out here that are just doing incredible things that are just going completely under the radar. It's kind of frustrating because I'm like, man, this dude should be a much wider name than he is. So hopefully he can reach that level. Because again, like I said, talent is oozing from him. Mm -hmm. So guys, without further ado, let's get into Jazz. He's joining us on the podcast now. We try to bring in a special guest every week, someone that's brought soul back, someone that's contributed to the genre, and I think we have someone really special today. We've been trying to hunt him down for a minute. Tom, who's our special guest? I'm excited about today's guest. First off, one of the best vocalists in R&B, um, someone who, as part of Drew Hill, has really um, solidified you know, that legacy of, of making quality music over the years. He's a solo artist now. We featured his uh, single last year as part of our top 100 songs of the year. We really like that and excited about what he's got coming next. Glad to welcome Jazz to the show. Welcome, Jazz. Oh, man, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Before we talk about your solo career a bit, just wanted to hear from you on, um, you know, everyone knows you from Drew Hill. Um, just tell us about where you currently stand with the group. Um, right now, I've, I've just been... Um venturing into just a stage where I'm um, focusing on a few more of my own solo endeavors as well. You know, um, over the years, I, I've been working on some things off and on. I cut some uh, material um, a while back. I put something out and put something out with, uh, I did like a, a record with Jill Scott. They put that on the, um, uh, Rush Hour 2 soundtrack. I did a few things on some soundtracks, you know. But um, lately I've been uh, focusing on getting some other material, solo material together, as well as um, writing down, you know, hitting that pen and that pad with with a bunch of different ideas, some entrepreneur ideas as well, man. Just just looking to um, expand. You had the single last year, All This Love. Um, we loved it, like I mentioned. Uh, had it in our countdown, t uh, best songs of the year. Um, tell us a little bit about that song, because it really brought us that 90s feel, that nostalgic feel, but still kind of kept that signature jazz sound to it. Right, yeah. Well, um, it, it was definitely a pleasure to hear, you know, everyone really uh, taking to the song as much as they have so far. And um, it was basically the, the vibe for me, um, you know. Uh, it just It just felt like, it felt like a, a feel good record, you know what I'm saying, and 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 it just flowed real real well, man. I I can tell you, like when the first time I even heard the track, I think I I finished the song in like ten minutes, man, maybe like ten or twenty minutes. You know, I I you know had um wrote you know wrote everything out, written everything out, um pretty much. Sometimes when you hear music, it, it'll speak for itself, you know what I mean? And then um, another time, you may have to go to the studio and pretty much hash it out. But for that particular record, man, it just had a vibe that, that was undeniable. And I felt that I heard it. 
And this is um is this leading up to a project you're putting out? What's your plans? Is it EP, an album? What do you got coming? Oh yeah, yeah. This this is just be the beginning of many. Definitely, right. yes. Yep. So how as you as you're a solo artist now, how do you um you know, get people to, to recognize you as such. I mean, like I said, people know you from the group because you guys create a legendary legacy. How do you kind of differentiate your sound now being a solo artist from that of Drew Hills? Well, the good thing, um, you know, that, that I believe is a blessing is just the fact that uh, um, I have a... I'm a, a heavy connoisseur of music, so like my, my the the uh, styles of music that I like um, is is very widespread. And um, when you when you're singing in the group, you gotta pretty much pick a, you know an area to to hold down. Almost like when you when you're playing on the team or something, you know, um, pretty much pick an area that you're gonna hold down. And um, I think that area is what people know for me uh, as far as singing in Drew Hill, but when it comes to you doing a solo project, you, you, you have the opportunity to to open up and do all the other things that, you know, all the other, and, and display all the other talents that you have in different, um, as far as I'm concerned, in different directions, um, which all come together. And it kind of like brings everybody into my world, into jazz's world, you know, so when it comes to the, you know, the differentiation of sound and all that, um, and I don't, it's not on purpose. It's just going in and just being creative. Like I always take the mindset of, um, you know, let's, let's, let's remove all of the, um, the, the walls and blockers and just go in and create, you know, and that's when, that's when I used to come up with, with my best work when I don't go in trying to stay within some type of frame. I just go in and just let the music speak. For sure. So, Jazz, I was just looking, um, you know, at the Drew Hill debut album. I just got to point out, and we talk about it so much on the podcast, that transition from April Showers to All Alone, that's one of the best one-two punches of all time. I'm going to put that out there. Um, And, of course, you had a huge contribution to writing those records. Um, Ed, just, you know, Ed, Ed and I and Tom, we always talk about Drew Hill's first two albums and you know, just how magnificent of a moment that was for R&B. Ed, can you kind of just talk about that moment in R&B and Drew Hill's impact with those first two albums? Yeah, let's take a little bit, you know, step back a little bit and look at it in perspective because that's something that I think we kind of lose today. And 96, when we first heard from Drew, it was kind of R&B was still riding that wave. But I think in the mid-90s was when we saw the transition. So we had the boys and men and the Jodices doing their thing in the first half. When Drew stepped into the game, it was time for that next generation to step up, and we saw the evolution. You could see elements of of Jodice. You could see elements of boys and men, and you could see elements, I mean, even going back to New Edition in that debut album. And then, when we when those singles started to hit from Tell Me, In My Bed, Five Steps, Never Make a Promise, boom, 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 number one after number one after number one, you could see that legacy just, like, carry on. So, Jazz, my question to you is, how did y'all take a little bit from those legends when you started crafting that first album? 
Um, I think I think most of the influence came during our um, our creative stage of putting the group together and and singing cover songs. You know what I mean, and making them our own for performances. And that's that's when um, the influences from from the other groups really started to impact. And when it came time, you know, for us to start recording. Um, First, when you go from, you know, just live performance to getting used to that studio, that was a transition within itself. So it's kind of like it amplified sound, you know what I mean? Um, going from just, you know, here and standing next to one another to actually having everything coming in the earphones. So everything was amplified. So then it went from um, the influences from everybody else to perfecting what what was coming out, you know what I'm saying? So... um I'm gonna say like like you said, definitely boys and men, definitely uh Jodeci, um in in various different um influences from school. A lot of us went, you know, did a lot of musical things in school and then a lot of things came from um, you know, the gospel come from church as well. So, um and everything kinda of blended together, man, and I think it was a unique um presentation coming from a new group, you know, we didn't, we wasn't too much like one side or too much like the other side. It was like, it's, it's unique blend, um, with something different to add to the marketplace. Chaz, you brought up a good point about, um, getting influences from, from, you know, the church, the choir and school. I remember when we had Stokely on a few months ago, he was concerned that music just isn't being focused in schools as it used to be. And, you know, it could have its, you know, a detriment to the genre overall. And we see some artists today, Daniel Caesar, for instance, who is someone who's gospelly trained. Do you think that in 2019 R&B that we're missing something with the lack of kind of educational programs regarding music and maybe artists not having that background in the gospel church to hone your voice, vocals and really learn how to perform? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think just the presence of... um any any type of environment that allows you to, and I, I'm going to say, venture off into the world of sound is essential because that it's, it's almost like let's say you, you you might look at a, um, and I'm not saying that people are, I'm not saying you know I don't want to take training too far, but let's say you're training, you got a pet, oh you want to train and do this and do that, according to the way that you um, you know. Uh, give different things and um, give different things to the dog. That's going to determine how well the dog kind of you know operates when it comes around different people, when it comes around children, things of that nature. So when you take a child and you start you know introducing them to the sound, because sound is universal, music is universal. Um, a lot of times, music is the soundtrack to a lot of different things, and it's also medicine for whatever occasion. There is. So when you start at a young age and you get the opportunity to venture off into in, into sound, not only just sound, just art, period, you allow the opportunity to really, for, for, for you know, for the person to really become one with themselves and, and, um, and explore different, I'm going to say different levels of um, 
oneness, you know what I'm saying, different mm-hmm. levels of being, you know what I mean? And, and um, I think it adds it adds intelligence, it adds um, calmness, you know what I'm saying? It adds, um, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a lack of words right now, but it, it just opens, it broadens the mind and broadens the, the, the um, spectrum. Um, then versus, you know, just, you know, hashing and hashing out with the, you know, the book thing. And, and, um, and, and, and uh, I guess if you really look at different um, age groups, you know, different uh, generations and all, man, and kind of like gauge, um, I'm going to say the aggression level for one. If you gauge the aggression level, you'll see the difference because the presence, I believe, is is everything, and I think Sokwe is right. Like the more, you know, everybody kind of pays attention to that and try to make an effort to bring it back. I believe it makes a difference. I, I truly believe it makes a, a hell of a difference. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this, Jazz, and then we can chime in around the table. Um, I know many people widely consider Drew Hill's first two albums classics. So, first part. Which Drew Hill albums you consider classics, and then I guess then what is your favorite song on each of those of those first two albums? Um, I believe that well, all of them I think are classics and is right, but I think the most favorable album um, for me is the second album. Um, yeah. I believe that. And, and I think it was because we were, you know, right in the middle of touring, and um, the speed that came along with cutting the record, uh, and and the way that we did it, it was just, you know, it, it was it was very exciting, and the songs that we came up with were were exciting as well, and um, and it, and it took us to another uh, plateau as far as our fan base is concerned, so. I'm definitely going to say the second album. Um, hmm, what song was off of it? I think um, I think "How Deep Is Your Love" for me is great. Mm-hmm. I think that um, that um, that Diane Warren song. Man, I always thought that should have been a single. That um, yes, I agree there. What? That's you know, a sad song. I, <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's the damn. What do I do with the love? I believe that would have taken it to another plateau. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um. Um. But that's not to take away from any other any of the other songs, though, man. I, I think all of them agree between their own right. What about Kyle and Ed? What do you guys think? Huh? Man, y'all, it's like. Yeah, it's like trying to pick my favorite child. Y'all putting me on. I think, and I've talked about this before, I think the first album is five-star classic. The second album comes close, but I kind of, I prefer the first. Oh, best songs, though. Now, first thing that pops in my mind off the first album is April Showers, but I can do that whole album, Share My World, of course. Me gonna, of course, I'm a Keith Sweat stand, so I'm going to go with that one. Second <laughs> album... I love, I love that Jazz pointed out. What do I do with a love? Because that is so underrated. I mean, beauty probably is the first thing that pops to my mind. But that whole second half, I mean, starting from 
I'm wondering and going all the way down. Like, pretty much you cannot go wrong. So I'll say beauty, but I'll do what do I do with the love just because y'all slept on that. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, my my sentiments are probably exactly like Ed's. I think the first one is the first one is amazing from top to bottom. I think the second one it might not be my favorite Drew Hill album, but I think it was the most important Drew Hill album because on the debut they were an R and B group. They were singing. They were doing what everyone else was doing. And then I remember on the second album when their single came out, they were hanging out with Jackie Chan. They were doing the whole Rush Hour soundtrack. So that was a big moment for Drew Hill. And on that second one, I would probably say Beauty or, of course, These Are the Times with Babyface. That's one of my favorites as well. Right. right. I would just just chime in about the second album, Enter the Drew, that it had four singles, How Deep Is Your Love, These Are the Times, Beauty, You Are Everything. That might have been like like a of an album that had four singles, like the strongest four singles from an album that I can remember. Like, first off, albums didn't even have four singles. Second off, second off these were like four bona fide classics to me. So that's what stands out to me from this, from Enter the Drew. I don't know yeah. how you guys, if you guys agree with that or not, but man, that, that I'll always remember that because it was like four back to back, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. And I remember maybe a few months ago on the Soul and Stereo site on Facebook, we were talking about this album, and I was going back and listening to it. But the thing that really makes that second album stand out for me, and it's something that hurts a lot of albums these days, is just the album cuts, man, those deep cuts. That's what makes a solid album, when it's just more than the singles. Because there are some albums, yeah, you got four hot singles, and then you got six songs that you don't care about. You just skip between them. But when you have the singles, and that's just the appetizer for them full-fledged meals, once you get to track number 14, 15, 16, that's the mark mm-hmm. of a good album. And I think that's what we're missing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that, it's, that, it's that energy and that time put in there. I remember, you know, back then, Cash used to make interludes and stuff for the album. It'd be like, the album had an ambiance feeling to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's that's that that's what you know that's what made the appreciation of the album even exist. You know what I mean? And, and you're right. And, but once again, that's that creativity. That's going in, taking up, taking away all the blockers, and say let's create. And that's when the mind start. You know what I'm saying? And that's when you freely start coming up with different things, and it's fun, and it's adventurous. And, and there you go with with a masterpiece versus you're pressured and you're just gonna go up. We just need. Two, three singles, and that's it. And so, you know what I'm saying? You know, yep. you got to take the, take that pressure away, man. And just go in and create something great, and you know, something something that's going to stick around that people want to love, that people going to be able to relate to, and 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 use it in their lives, man. Because I'm, well, I'm telling you, one of the greatest things is to you know have the chance just to speak to different people and and and, and um and and, and hear how what you've created is a major part of their lives, just like I might sit here and listen, you know, when I have the opportunity to meet other people that I that I listen to coming up, and I could tell them, hey, man, this did this for me in my life. And you know what I'm saying? So to have it, you know, to go, you know, back and forth like that, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jazz, I got to I gotta ask you, I don't know if you realize this, man, but you are, and we always talk about this, man. You're one of the 
best vocalists out of the 90s by far and still one of the best vocalists in R&B. Do you, do you realize that? <laughs> no, nah, man. I just, hey, I, I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Be, you can be humble. But let me ask you then, who are your favorite vocalists, either from the 90s or, or people you, you hear from now? Like, who, who do you admire as a vocalist? Um, from from what time period you said again? When? And just anyone. I mean, it could be people you came up with, artists, your peers from the '90s, or anyone now. Like, who do you? Who have you always admired, or do you admire now? Oh man, it's it's, it's a lot of them, man. Um, well, well, first of all, you know, Stevie Stevie is ridiculous. Um, mm. you know what I'm saying? Um. Uh, that 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 going Kiki Wyatt is ridiculous for her vocals. <laughs> um, um, man, I mean it's a lot of them. got, you know, yeah. one one year. I, I mean, you, you got of course the groups that that we grew up listening to, listening to. You know what I'm saying? And um, man, I, I'm saying like dope vocals. Like I know the girl Lattice. She real. She's dope. Um, yep. Uh, let me see. Another. Um, I believe that. Um, like 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 Jay Moss, his vocals I believe dope. Um, um, man, it's a whole list of them, man. It, yeah. It, it's yeah. You you know sometimes somebody might ask you like sing something, your mind go blank, you can't think. Well, yeah. Know, <laughs> So like some questions, some somebody usually with some questions, you be like, uh, duh. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> cool. So jazz, let's talk about some fun R and B facts. We've had a couple of guests on the podcast, and you've been mentioned a couple of times. Uh, Carvin and Ivan, the producers, said that you originally sang "Half Crazy" by Music Soul Child. You recorded that song first. Yep. Yep. I, I just remember it was a dope record, and I was, you know, I was like, I just spent a lot of time, you know, like Philly is second home for me. I spent a lot of time up there, especially when I'm, um, you know, Carmen Ive and Dre and Vidal and, um, like, that whole squad. So, you know, uh, Music Soul Child, Floor Trey, everybody, we all around each other a lot. And, um, you know, when I, when, I, um, when we sat down with music and we, and we did uh, Half Crazy, and it, but my my version was a little more um, a little more alternative style though, like it, it had a little more edge to it. And um, but when music cut, he, he kind of like kind of like um, it kind of like buffed it over into like more of a uh, R and B style. But mine was like R and B alternative. It was edgy. And man, but the the record was dope though. <laughs> yeah. that's what's up. That's what's up though. That they even told y'all that you know that's what's up. Yeah, hey, man, how did I you, gotta hear that jazz Wow, jazz! Um, how'd you let that slip through your fingers, man? That that became man. a huge hit for music. I already know, man. Don't even remind me. It took me. You know how long it took me <laughs> to get over that? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then another fun R and B fact: we had Case on here a couple of months ago, and you're singing background on Conversate, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I said I sat in there with him working on that song. So there you have it. So what other fun R and B facts do you have to share for us? 
Um, just, um, let me see, that y'all wouldn't know about. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. Jazz, let me ask you something, actually, because um, we just had 112 on the show last week, and we learned that, that Kelly Price is one of the best cooks ever. I don't know if you, I know you've worked with her before. Have you tried her cooking? Oh, yeah. Um, no, 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 I haven't. She hasn't cooked nothing for me just yet. But no, I oh, okay. that's another dope vocalist, yeah. But no, she hasn't cooked anything for me just yet. You see, I said, oh, man. We heard about her last week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Jazz, I got to ask you, because like Ed mentioned earlier, Keith Sweat is one of his favorite artists of all time. It actually is his favorite, and I know Keith has been such a huge part of your career, as well as Drew Hill's. So, I guess, talk about the impact of Keith Sweat in your career. Oh, no, man. From, well, from the beginning of, you know, me and um, Keith, Keith always been cool and, and never was afraid to, to speak his mind. It was kind of funny. Like, you know, when we came in studio-wise, um, he was telling us, you know, j- just different ways of recording the vocals and all. And I, I think we-, we came from the era where we wanted to do a whole bunch of runs at- on everything. And, um, you know, he was like, no, no, man, you're singing like this, you do this and you do that, you got to let this let this ride, do this and do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that, that kind of like, over now I was like, oh, damn, he's gonna say what he, he gonna say what he want to say. You know what I mean? From, but from that point on, you know, and when we walked in, man, we just looked all around, it was plaques and platinum and, you know, gold records all over the place, man. You know what I mean? So it was like, how can you not respect, you know, the history and what this man has done in his field of expertise? Um, and then, then, you know, appreciate the fact that he's right there being an um, intricate part of your um, project. Absolutely. Now, Jazz, um, before we wrap up here, can you give us some more details about the upcoming project you're working on, uh, specifically any producers you're working with, any collaborations we can expect, and uh, – when can we expect another single to drop? You know, let us know. Um, um, I'm pretty sure I'll have something um, coming up soon. Um, and I'll, I'll make sure that, you know, that you guys will be informed. Cool. We appreciate that. And then just final final question for you before we let you go. We ask this question to every guest who joins us on this podcast. It's probably you probably gonna think we're crazy, but if you had to choose between these two artists, he sweat or music soul child, who would you take? Wow. <laughs> wow. And so So you can't you can't you can't um you know, make your own record. You gotta you gotta uh, choose one or the other. <laughs> yeah, I know it's hard, especially because you got history with both. Yeah, and and then you got, but you got uh, records that reach in two different line areas for real. Yeah, 
You know what I'm saying? I I, I, don't, I don't know why why they matched them up, man. It seemed like you would do something, uh, 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 you know, you would kind of figure out something that's in, you know, the same area and then choose the best in, in that area. But both of them kind of pretty much hold their own in, in their uh, in their lanes for real. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> Yeah, that, I don't know about that. Y'all, I'm going to have to come back to you on that one real quick. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Jazz, before we let you go, anything you'd like to add? Huh? Anything you would like to add before we let you go? No, just, you, you know, just the fact that uh, I appreciate y'all acknowledging, you know, me and, and the music that I've done. And um, I appreciate you having me on, on your um doing an interview with me. And just, I mean, just, we, we have to ask, I'm sorry, we're just curious, but you think that your your career will ever take you back to Drew Hill someday? You said, do I think what? That your career will ever take you back to being part of Drew Hill again someday? Um, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You know, it's one thing that I know we always kept saying all the time, always expect the unexpected. And I guess that's when you're looking at, you know, looking at life period, like they said, um, like my man said, and uh, uh, like I said, uh, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So we never know. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? All, all we can do is um, and try to keep keep striving and, and, and be, be, you know, think positive and, and just know that great things are going to happen, and somewhere along the line, you know, if, if that's supposed, if that's how it's supposed to be, then that's how it's going to be. Right. Ooh. Well, just just know that you got our support either way, and we really appreciate your contributions to this genre, and we will continue to support. No, no, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Do the same. All right, Jazz. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you. And guys, that was Jazz. That was. That was pretty awesome. Always good Man. to hear from one of those stalwarts of of um, one of our favorite eras. So it's cool to hear him um, give some insight on some of those more underrated Drew songs, and just hear where he's where his headspace is now in 2019. Absolutely, Tom Ed, are you guys ready for the Player Please Award? Always. <laughs> So, because we've been gone for a minute with doing these play of pleases, I mean, last week we had a whole hour with 112, and we completely missed out on the play of please, and the week before we just didn't really have anything. I have so much today that we're going to have to narrow it down, so I'm just going to throw out a couple of topics, and I just want to hear your reaction, and then we'll get into the real play of pleases. Are you guys ready? Yep. Uh, so, Tom, very exciting news. Suge Knight's son claims that Tupac is back in the studio. Are you ready for a new Tupac album? <laughs> oh, boy. Why are we giving this guy more headlines? Keep it moving, please. <laughs> please keep okay. it moving. My God. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to a new Tupac album. I Imagine would be trapping. opposed to a new Tupac album. Oh, my God. Imagine him trapping on a song. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't know if Tupac is back in the studio, quote-unquote, means if they dug up more unreleased junk. And even that, I am... I mean, and let's be real. It's 
common knowledge, I am not the biggest Pac fan. I think he's the most overrated human being on the history of planet Earth. So, you get mad, you know what to do. Go to E.T. Bowles on Twitter, yell at me there, I'll yell at you back. Anyway, if they're going to dig up more unreleased and unfinished tracks, man, just let it be. Let it be. If you want to listen to Pac, go listen to stuff when he was alive recording. Stop poking at the corpse. Ed, can you stop using the term dig up? I, I'm I'm getting visions of them actually digging him up and bringing his corpse <laughs> to the studio. They really probably would just. I don't know if he's in a. I, did they? I think they said they cremated him. I don't know, but it would not surprise me if they have a box of ashes up there and just put it in front <laughs> of a microphone. That's how bad we've gotten. Man, just put him in a in a blender and blend him back to life. That's oh that's my true. god, <laughs> love oh. it. Anyway, uh, Tory Lanez, rapper slash singer, claims that he is the king of hip hop. Tom, Ed, well, uh, I don't, I'm not gonna even make it through these player please. I have no energy for the level of ridiculousness that we have gotten in 2019. You know what we do? We don't even put out records anymore. We just go on Twitter, say the dumbest stuff possible, so we can become trending topics. And once we become a trending topic, we think we've somehow excel but it's so stupid because you're in the headlines for what a half a day and then you're forgotten and you're a meme but this is where we are i dare anybody to name five tory lane songs i thought he was a singer he's (laughs) he is both quotation marks around both because he does neither well Okay, I, I'm getting I'm getting bored of these player pleases. Can I chime in with one real quick? I know we got a lot, I'm, but I I, I have listening. to I have to I have to share okay. this one. So we we um we posted a clip of our Travis Cherry podcast on Instagram when he talked about a vocalist he was disappointed with going trendy. And I'm not going to name this guy. He is a supporter of what we do, but he mentioned how Tank's newer stuff is really oh, um, reminiscent of his original music. He he's like it's pretty much a, a great progress. Something I don't know exactly what he said, but are you kidding me? Does this guy have, have you heard in his, ears? his older stuff? Like that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. It's the complete opposite of his older stuff. What exactly? I don't even understand. I I, I was Tom, just so baffled. That's not nice. Why are you calling out our listeners? I I cannot let that one pass. I'm sorry. That is I. Unless he thought Tank's last album was his first album, that's the only excuse I could find. <laughs> I didn't. I missed Which, this conversation, so I don't know who we're talking about. But I would hope that they realized that the albums came out before freaking Stronger or whatever it was. <laughs> um, man. Well, if we're gonna go there, Tom, we're gonna have to give you a play, a please as well. Uh oh. What did I do? So. I sent Tom a clip of Ronnie DeVoe and Shamari singing, I think, on, like, Fox News. They were singing their new song. And uh, I'll be honest, it wasn't really good. But Tom thought it was a brilliant idea to go on our Facebook page and post a picture of Belle Biv DeVoe and ask, who's the best vocalist out of these three? And we got destroyed (laughs) on Facebook. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Now, that I did see. Facebook and Instagram. I thought it was just a conversation starter but people were really really serious about this one which is kind of weird i just thought tom was being tom on that one he well, got people don't have a sense one. of humor <laughs> yeah i mean come on people were at my doorstep trying to freaking drag me in the street 
people don't have a sense of humor in this day and age. This is 2019. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was clearly a joke. I mean, uh, it's social media is so weird. Like, it's one minute everybody's joking, and then the next minute you have to take everything deadly serious. And <laughs> because it's not because they're typed out words, people don't understand context. So everyone just gets in their feelings and makes up context. Oh, how was that even an insult? Stressing me out today. Was that even an insult? I don't. Oh my goodness. No, it was an insult. I thought you were just joking because we talked about it um, just offline before you posted it because you asked me about it and it was just kind of like ha ha. And then you made it a post and everybody (laughs) thought you were legitimately asking. And I got tarred and feathered here in the streets of New York City, guys. <sighs> Welcome yeah. to the internet. <laughs> Damn right. Um, all right, let's let's proceed with these play of pleases. Uh, we're not going to get into it because he's my boy, but uh, Ja Rule was trending the other week on Twitter because of his Your Fire boy. Festival uh, clip where uh, after the whole fiasco went down and everyone was fearing for their lives of how they scammed everyone, Ja Rule went on record to say that's not fraud that's false advertising i think that's like the same thing right that's <laughs> the same you couldn't get in trouble for both jaw oh and this is your boy why are your people so terrible <laughs> we it, it gets worse don't worry we got one more or actually we have two but one you'll really like but let me just go on record to say we love you jaw anyway <laughs> <laughs> you you do don't put we in that <laughs> All right. Um, did you guys hear about Ariana Grande and her new song? Uh, oh, maybe. Boy. Refresh the play is mine. Uh, the song Seven Rings. It's like a trap record, and everyone was calling her out for a cultural appropriation. Oh, yes. Now, I haven't heard the song. I saw clips of the video. And, I mean, it was kind of just like, you know, you're on Twitter, and the video's like auto-playing so i haven't listened to the no i have heard the song but i haven't watched the video because people were saying the video was um appropriated again i don't think people understand what cultural appropriation really means i can't really judge this because i haven't seen the video but people really do not understand what that means cultural appropriation for the last time does not mean justin timberlake Singing soulful songs. That's not appropriation. Adele singing R&B is not appropriation. Appropriation is when you take a culture and you make financial gain off of it just because. Miley Cyrus is a cultural appropriator. Justin Timberlake was inspired by R&B. Miley Cyrus went from whatever she was doing to this fake B-girl around the block doing trap stuff and then when she finished doing that said oh well that was just a phase in my life i'm not doing that anymore then she went back to her normal stuff now she's going back to trap stuff because that's when she made her most money that is cultural appropriation you are using a culture to financially gain you're putting a culture on like a costume and taking it off when you're around your other friends that's appropriation just because you like r&b or you like trap does not mean you're an appropriator. I can't speak on Ariana Grande, but please get your facts straight before you run and write your think pieces on Twitter, because you're making my stomach hurt. Wow, that was uh, that was not where I was trying to go with that one, but thank you for that, Ed. <laughs> uh, I, it had uh, to be another, said, dog. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Well, we're not I, done yet. I, hold on, Tom. Hold on, I have another quick one. I'm sorry. 
I have another quick one, can I? Well, we're oh, still wait. on oh, Ariana. Oh, okay, go ahead. I forgot about this Ariana. thing. Go ahead. Uh, well, while we're on the topic of it, Tom, how many tattoos do you have? Uh, I think uh, 19. Actually, it's about to be 20 because I'm about to get a tattoo dedicated to Lil Maverick in the coming days. Really? I didn't know that. Breaking news on the podcast. Yes, sir. Well, look at that. Well, hopefully your tattoo is not as big of an epic fail as Ariana's. So, Ed, we were talking about the Seven Rings song. She went on ahead and got Seven Rings tatted on her hand um, in Japanese. But then the Japanese fans called her out on it and said, that doesn't say Seven Rings. You actually tattooed yourself and it says Barbecue Grill. Yes, I heard about this. A coworker was telling me about this. I haven't seen the the um, tattoo. All I've seen is everybody screaming about the appropriation video, so to speak. But yes, that is hilarious, and that's why y'all should not be. If you don't understand a culture, play a back up off of it because <laughs> just because you put two symbols together does not mean what you think it means. Kanji is complicated. <laughs> and then Tom, she went to her tutor. And said, how do I fix this? The tutor gave her some advice. For some reason, she did not listen. And she added new things to the tattoo. And now her hand says, Japanese barbecue finger. (laughs) Finger licking good, guys. Oh, my God. We need to do better. (laughs) You beat me, too. Tom, what do you have for us? Uh, So, it's kind of news, but we could cover it next time. But Casey announced he has a new album and just to show you how people don't even take the time to read anymore i wrote casey of casey and jojo and jodeci has a new album coming out stay tuned someone responded nice i was waiting for a new casey and jojo album what (laughs) but what did you not it's like they don't even read the whole statement they just see casey and jojo a new album in the sentence and and don't even read the whole thing well, I again, said, that goes, yes. Players, they don't read. They saw Casey, JoJo, new album, and then ran to the comments. You didn't bother to read the sentence? It was one sentence. Y'all can read one yeah. sentence. I, I, I don't know what's going on, guys. Oh, and well, speaking of that post, there was one where hashtag went wrong. Someone wrote, and JoJo is also releasing an album, hashtag, but you didn't hear it from me. I'm like, yes, I did. You wrote it. It's, it's in the comments. <laughs> you posted it. What do you mean? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, Let's get back on topic. There's one more that we have to talk about. And, Tom, you might want to grab, like, your lemonade and just sit back because I think Ed's going to go off on this. And, Ed, you know where I'm going with this. Do I? I don't know. Cousin Chris Brown. What did he do now? You know what he did. Well, let's give you some backstory. So he was in Paris, France, shooting a music video. He got accused of rape, which is like the worst thing you can be accused of. Luckily and expectedly, Chris Brown was found innocent because he is a good human being and a model citizen. And then a day later, he was seen rocking a t-shirt that said, That bitch lying. And now he's selling that shirt on on his website. Ed, will you be purchasing one of these for Christmas? Oh my gosh. I had totally forgotten about this. I think we were going to mention it during last week's podcast and then we got tied up and I forgot all about it. So now my blood pressure is about to go through the roof again. Yeah, everybody just sit back on this one because I'm about to go off. And I will tell, well, 
let me add this context because since then, um, Kyle mentioned that these said these shirts were on sale. Apparently, he didn't sell these shirts after this. He sold them before. So he already had like these shirts because some other B was lying at some other point. I don't understand. But he did, um, and Kyle backed me up on this. I think he did at least Instagram that B is lying or something insane like that. Yep. <sighs> let me let, let me get let me get a sip before I start <laughs> spitting my vomit because I am so pissed about this stuff. And let me tell you, boy, why I'm pissed because before these allegations came out, the internet did what the internet always does, and they threw dude under in the electric chair. Just because of the allegations. Now, of course, um, the allegations have since been debunked. But back then, the time he was accused of this, everybody was like, throw him under jail. And I was the one defending Cousin Chris for once, saying that it was wrong. Because even though he has this history of disrespecting women, history of violence, history of being human garbage, I chilled because there were no facts. And like we were just saying... On the internet, people love to jump to conclusions. But when we holler about no one can change and no one can get a second chance, and and it's funny that we say that because the pain people saying that no one is worthy of a second chance, I think everybody listening to this podcast has a whole bunch of skeletons in their closet. And if we looked at your browser history, we give you 15 years in jail. Still, I gave my boy a chance to be on the right side of history. But what does he do? comes out with this stupid t-shirt disrespecting women and that's why I'm mad because I'm mad that all of these cousin Chris apologists who are constantly making excuses for him and constantly saying y'all picking on him and constantly saying the Rihanna stuff is old the reason why we upset is because you constantly disrespect women you can say that the, the charges are false without disrespecting women and that's the problem with this if you are saying, what was it, um, the Rihanna stuff, when that comes out and people are like 10 years, let's, let's put it in this context, let's put it like this, 10 years from now, 2009, let's say, well, 2019, the Rihanna stuff happened in 2009, this is 2019, 10 years from now, when they do the expose on Lifetime on Cousin Chris, like they did R. Kelly, you know what people are going to say? Why didn't y'all cancel Cousin Chris back in 2019 when we knew he was doing this and that? We didn't because he was hot in the streets. And we hand wave anything away. Just like people say now. How did y'all let R. Kelly do all of that stuff in 2000? Because he was hot in the streets. So we hand waved it away. If you are really serious about being as woke as you claim, it's time y'all stop making excuses for your favorites and call them out when they're doing trash. Not when they fell off and it's more convenient for you to do trash. I like Cousin Chris. So, well, I like some of Cousin Chris's songs from 2005. I'll put it like that. My wife cannot listen to him because she's like, I cannot listen to someone who every time I hear his voice reminds me that he's disrespectful to women. So whether or not he did this rape thing or not and charges have been debunked, he still walks around each and every day disrespecting the same women who run to his defense. So when we have a discussion 10 years from now about why was Chris, why did we do nothing about Chris Brown? Just look in the mirror because y'all the reason why. Speak up and stop letting these artists wild out on you. It's ridiculous.
I'm done. Wow. Ed, there's uh, only one thing I want to know, Ed. If Cousin Chris showed up to the Bowser family reunion with that shirt on, which wrestling move would you do on him? I was thinking, like, <laughs> power bomb or something or a suplex. I don't know. Yeah, I would give him the diamond cutter through the picnic table. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, wow. Uh, speaking of picnic and, and, and good food, I'm just reading right now. Apparently, 1.38 billion chicken wings will be eaten during the Super Bowl on Sunday. Are you guys hungry or what? It's... <laughs> You know what's crazy? I was thinking of here what I wanted for lunch, and I was like, I think I want some wings. And now you just confirmed that I'm having wings for lunch. I'm. I'm uh, I think you... I'm gonna. I'm, I think uh, I'd eat chicken wings every single day. Boneless though, I can't eat. I can't mess with the bones, guys. You know that. It's a little oh, bit too yeah, messy God. for me. It gets stuck in your oh. teeth. I mean, I seen this one couple using forks once to to eat the, the to eat bone chicken wings. I think that's the right way to go. You know, How save you all that mess. <laughs> what? Oh, you know, man. it's oh. especially if you're on a date, man. You can't be, uh, you know, just yeah, digging in right. and getting all that that sauce on your face and your hands. You know, well, might I, never... I will. I'll agree with you there, player. When you're on a date or when you're at like a a work lunch or something, like you can't be eating freaking flats and like digging through the bones there. But listen, if it's the Bowser family reunion and Cousin Chris is kind of taking them out on the stretcher because I didn't throw them through a table, oh, I'm going to get me a few wings and eat them proudly. Wow. There you go. Um, and then lastly, because, Tom, I think this can somehow relate to R&B in a way, um, and you'll be very excited about this. So, uh, as you know, Costco's rotisserie chicken, it's priced at $5. Listen, um, that is that. That's the best value you can get in the marketplace today for a meal. <laughs> it I'm just is. Saying. <laughs> well, they get it from their supplier, who I think is like trying to increase the price of those chickens, um, and that's going to cause Costco to lose money. So what they've done instead, instead of having to answer to these suppliers, they're going to invest four hundred and forty million dollars into their own chicken farm to escape this monopoly. R&B needs to take notes. I mean, I guess that's better than Tyson, who had to recall 120,000 pounds of chicken nuggets because there was rubber and wood found in them. <laughs> exactly. Oh my, yes, I saw that. And I was like, who still <laughs> eats chicken nuggets? I haven't had a chicken nugget since, man, since they were debuting new Drew Hill songs, probably on BET. It's been a minute. I mean, the way things are going, wood being in chicken... No more Costco free-range chickens. We might as well just go vegan and get those concert tickets, guys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> can you eat Sour Patch Kids and still be vegan? Because then maybe we can talk. No. I'm, I'm, you can't? No, you can't because uh, I know this because my family have vegans. I believe there's gelatin in, in those, which yeah. is not vegan. Well, so I'll just be a disgusting carnivore then. I mean, you can. I, I mentioned yogurt earlier. I don't even think you can eat yogurt. Actually, it's an animal product, so you're pretty much just stuck with the lettuce, and that's it. Man, I guess let me just go cut the grass and eat the grass clippers. Cause that's about <laughs> as tall as I can. Y'all can keep your little ragged tickets. I don't want to go. Well, 
before we get out of here, I just read on Reddit that uh, indeed Sour Patch Kids are not vegan, and I don't know who eats these because I don't really like them. But uh, Swedish Fish, they're not vegan either. I like Swedish Fish. They're kind of like the the plain version of Sour Patch Kids. Take the sour off, and then you got them. They'll do. Not my favorite, but they'll do. And there you have it. Uh, I I guess we're out of here. This oh, actually, you know what? Let's find out what's going on with us individually before we leave. So, uh, Ed, what's going on with SoulInStereo.com? Yes, it was a good week for Soul and Stereo. Um, as I mentioned a little earlier, we had a retrospective of the R&B great James Ingram. I know some of our name might not ring a bell for some of our younger listeners who kind of 90s babies, but us 80 babies, we remember him because he was everywhere. Two Grammys, a bunch of number ones. His songs were like on everything, that Fievel movie, General Hospital, of course, the classic Quincy song, Secret Garden, he was one of those voices on that, so, a legend in R&B, so we take a moment to look at him. Also, we looked at one of hip-hop's more, in 2019, underrated artists, Ludacris. We went back and ranked his entire discography, and got some good conversation going about how his legacy, while he was one of the biggest of his era, is kind of forgotten now, and... I still say that he's a lot more talented than he gets credit for. He's not just a jokester. He's actually very talented. So check out Soul and Stereo for a couple of retrospectives on those two. Cool. And Tom, what's going on with You Know I Got Soul? I think you said that uh, you announced that John B's working on some new music. Yeah, he uh, mentioned that on his uh, Instagram. Guys, it's getting harder to find this information about these artists. I mean, less and less of them are using publicists these days, so... Unless you're on the Instagram all day or Twitter, you might miss some of this stuff. So we're just trying to trying to stay ahead of this. I even found out that Brian McKnight is releasing a new album in a couple months just by checking his Instagram. Like, there was no press release or anything. So just trying to, to keep these R&B cats, you know, their name out there and helping them spread the word because some of them need the help. So excited about both of those projects. But, you know, we're just trying to do our part right now. Yeah, and we also premiered 112's new single tonight. It seems like we're getting a lot of requests to premiere projects at this point because really, who else is covering R&B? I'm just going to put it out there. But, uh, no, it's good to see. So, so I'm in. I, I, I guess that's it for this week, huh? We, we're out of here? That's it? Man, I think we've done enough ranting and raving for one week. I got to get some... Um, my voice is gone. Got to get something to drink. Cousin Chris caused me to lose it. <laughs> exactly. So I guess we're out of here for this week. Uh, everyone enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, have them chicken wings. I'm going to go with the honey garlic. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I guess we're out of here. <laughs> All right, players. All right, guys. Go get some wings. Peace. <laughs> Peace.